Josh Walsh, how are you, my old friend? <laughs> What's up, Bob? It's been too long. <laughs> it's been too long. In fact, the last time you were on Jazz Piano Skills, I think I looked that up. I think it was like last year, October sometime. I was going to say like six months, maybe more. Maybe it's been eight months. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere somewhere along those lines. So, too long to go without uh, my Dr. Now Bob you're back. fix. <laughs> there you go. Here we go, man. But, you know, <laughs> I'm really excited today because you and I have been kind of quietly behind the scenes putting our heads together uh, with regards to doing a little collaboration. Yes. And, uh, and what better uh, guy to collaborate with than you when it comes to talking about transcriptions? Because I know you have... Uh, a very deep, fond love for transcribing. And you've been transcribing for how many years, man? Uh, as long as I've been playing jazz. So a decade <laughs> at least. Yeah. Yeah, so... I've gotten more serious. Uh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I, no, I've been no, doing it ahead, more man. seriously, go I would say, the last like three or four years. Yeah, because since I've known you, I, I, that has been a big part of... Uh, your jazz education and promotion to students around the world. And, and so, you know, I, I have not known you without knowing you being passionately involved with transcribing. Yeah. So that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I think, okay. I, I, I see, I'm sorry. I, I see a lot of players who come in who are like buy a book and they go through all the exercises and they understand the theory and they can do like all the techniques in the book, but then they can't play a song. Right. And then you have right. players that are like on the other side of it who pick up a book of transcriptions and they have, maybe they have great technical facility from being classically trained or something. Right. And they can sit down and play a transcription of a song, but don't have any idea what's going on and how it works. And then there's the like magic right. Goldilocks people like you in the middle that connect the two dots. And you can take the ideas that you learn from one transcription and put them into another tune. And you can use the techniques you learn from right. a book and figure out how to apply them into your playing. And that to me is like right. the magic sauce that you can't learn from like music school or from a book or from a right. YouTube video. That only comes from transcribing, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So, you know, just... You know, I want to introduce this concept to the Jazz Piano Skills listeners. Josh is here today because we have put our heads together. We're going to start a new segment here at Jazz Piano Skills where we we get together every, you know, month or so or a couple months where Josh and I will hook up on Jazz Piano Skills to look at a very specific transcription of a professional jazz musician, not just and not just pianist, right? Um, we're going to be looking at transcriptions of horn players, everybody from, you know, Chet Baker to Miles Davis to, uh, you know, guitar players like Joe Pass to, to you, you name it, right? So I think the big mistake that jazz piano players a lot of times make is that they think they have to be looking at transcriptions of piano players to have musical growth. And that is, that is one of the myths that we want to debunk in, in our collaboration together. Would you not agree with that? I would absolutely agree, although you said Joe Pass, and I don't think I've done very much guitar transcribing, uh, except for some uh -huh. solo lines. And I think I've done very little drum transcribing, so maybe we're in for right. a treat. Maybe we should pick one of those just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, guitarists are fun. You know, Kenny Burrell, I've done a lot of Kenny Burrell's uh, transcriptions and and Joe Pass. Well, you, you know, Joe Pass is like, I, I, I always think of Joe Pass as like the Oscar Peterson of guitar, man. So, you know. You got, All right, well, you, you can know. do Pat Metheny so, next time. 
Okay, I love Pat Matheny, man. So, all right. So, but anyway, the the point is that we'll be looking at a bunch of different transcriptions from a duff, a bunch of different uh, jazz artists playing a, a bunch of different instruments, and uh, and so you know our goal is to dig deep into these transcriptions and to look at them. Uh, like I like to tell students to get beneath the surface and get get underneath the notes and, and figure out really what's going on. Because the way I look at transcriptions, Josh, I always, I look at transcriptions. If I'm looking at a Bill Evans transcription and studying it, I always, I always approach it as Bill Evans is my teacher and he's going to, he's going to guide me through uh, his thought process. He's going to kind of open up the window to his mind, if you will, and allow me to peek in there to see how he thinks and how he approaches uh, improvisation, not only over that tune, but but even more specifically over the various sounds found within that tune, like major and dominant and minor, half diminished, and so forth. And uh, and so I always approach it. I always like to approach transcriptions of like I'm spending time with Bill Evans, and he's my teacher, and he's guiding me. Uh, how, how do you approach it? I feel the same way. My piano teacher told me that I should hire a teacher that sounds like the way I want to sound. Um, yeah. but the problem is like, I can't go call Bill <laughs> and have a lesson with him anymore <laughs> or Oscar right. or whatever. Right. And so but we have of his course transcriptions. People, yeah. You have his transcriptions, you have his recordings. Right. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So before we get in more about talking about the specifics of transcriptions and, you know, we're going to spend this episode really kind of talking about some of the do's and don'ts. Uh, and a, a little bit about the guidelines that we're going to be using and the approach that we're going to be taking with uh, our collaboration moving forward with the transcriptions when we start start launching them to the Jazz Panel Skills listeners. But, but I want you to take a moment right now and share with the Jazz Panel Skills listeners, you got a big project going on right now, which, which ties in perfect, which ties in beautifully to what we're kicking off here at Jazz Piano Skills. So I want to just turn the microphone over to you, my friend, and let you let you kind of uh, brag a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, I mean, so I started a YouTube channel in December or so to extend what I was doing. I, I run a website called jazzlibrary.com, jazz-library.com, right. that has a bunch of free educational stuff in it. I expanded that into YouTube and video production and all that stuff about eight months ago, about the time you and I chatted last, because you were one of my first guests actually on that channel. Right, And uh, I've been growing that audience and building that kind of stuff and working on, I don't want to give away too much yet, but there's some, there's some fun um, premium content coming soon. Very good. Uh, and that premium content being transcription-based? Well, okay, so there's two parts of it. And I, again, I don't want to give away too much of this just yet. But the well, I'm one just going to keep pushing you, man. You, I, I'm going to keep pushing you till you give away, no, 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 no. You give away stuff. No, no, no. So, the Dr. Bob audience is, is a good secret circle. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, it's, um, I, I half of it is like just fundamental concepts. It's, it's very, there's some overlap with the kind of things that you do, like different voicings and uh, approaches and phrases right. and rhythmic patterns and kind of the, the right. vocabulary you have to have in order to understand the transcription. And then the other half of it is literally just tiny transcriptions. I have this process called dupe, which maybe we can go into if you're interested, um, where I take, let's say like a two bar or four bar phrase out of something interesting that I'm listening to. I deconstruct it. I turn, I figure out how it works. I then built exercises for me to play it in different keys and different rhythm and patterns, different offsets. And then I put it into, take that same idea I heard in one tune and I apply it into other tunes. So that becomes part of your nice. vocabulary. 
Right. Nice. And so that's the other half of this content is just building a library of these like things that I'm exploring and things that I'm learning from and sharing what I'm learning with everybody else. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, that's going to tie in beautifully then to what we are about to unveil and launch here at Jazz Piano Skills, the two of us. So that, that this is going to be great fun over the next next several years. <laughs> Did you notice I said years yeah. there, Josh? Sounds good to me. Uh, all right, man. So, uh, all right. So let's let's dive in and talk a little bit about um, transcribing. I'm going to ask you some questions, and and I just want you to expound upon them. Um, Since we're talking transcribing, trans- this is this is the eight or nine hour podcast, right? Cor- that's right. Well, right. there's we, no yeah, way we're going to do this time. in an hour. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try our <laughs> best, man. <laughs> so okay, so so I want you to think back to when you started transcribing, because okay, I think everybody that gets into jazz, one of the first things that they discover right away is they hear a lot of jazz musicians, a lot of jazz teachers talk about transcribe. Transcribe this, transcribe that. You got to transcribe. If you want to learn how to play, you got to transcribe. You got to improve your ears. You got to transcribe. Transcribe, transcribe. And they hear this all over the place. And and I got to be honest, I think most people when they start to transcribe, it's a it usually starts off as an epic fail. Epic because it's it's not it's not easy. So I want you to I want you to kind of turn back time a little bit and go back to when you first started transcribing and I want you to address some of the hurdles that you had to jump when you started transcribing and I want you to also explain how, how did you successfully jump those those hurdles what did you do to to get over those hurdles So I started with transcriptions by buying them and playing them um, okay, instead of good. doing the transcribing myself. And there's some benefits to that. Maybe we'll talk about why we should transcribe here in a second. But I, um, I, this is a difficult subject for me, to be honest with you, because the reason that I was drawn away from my classical training and into jazz was this idea that you improvised, you played on the fly, you played stuff that was in your head, coming out of your head spontaneously in the moment. And I was kind of Right. not understanding well at the time that even though you're improvising and making stuff up in the moment, those are coming out of things that you pre-prepared and things that you had thought about right. before. So I, right. I was mistaken in right. my early thinking in that, well, there's no point in learning to play this Oscar Peterson transcription because the next time Oscar plays it, he's going to play something totally different. Um, and so I use transcribing in the beginning to kind of work on my feel so I could try to get my articulations and my timing and my rhythm, and frankly, just to have fun, you know, just jam out alongside right. the recordings that I listen to uh, and play along right. with them. And then I started to notice things like, oh, well, this, you know, bebop scale that I learned, well, here it is. Like, I recognize it in this thing, and I start to, to recognize those types of things. And then my approach to transcribing completely flipped. So I actually do very little transcribing of whole tunes or even of whole solos. Like yeah. I mentioned a second ago, I yeah, spent most I of my time, right. I listen to something and I'm like, what in the world was that? That's awesome. I want to know how to do that. Right. And I focus in like a right. laser on like four bars or six bars and figure out what that thing right. is. And then I may or may right. not expand and do the rest of the tune or not from there. Because that's just, it, it. I guess it matters what your goal is. Like I said, if your goal is to get the Oscar Peterson feel, then play a lot of Oscar Peterson transcriptions and pay attention right. to your right. timing and swing feel and articulation with right. that. But if your goal is to kind of deconstruct things, 
then it's different. So I see there's a couple different reasons you might want to learn to transcribe. One would be just because you want to learn to play like them. I know of a lot of classical friends who pull up an Art Tatum thing and can sit down and play T for two or whatever because they just have the facility to do that. I don't. <laughs> um, Right. Or maybe like more like what I want to do is I want to study it. I want to understand why it works and how it works and what I can do with it. Or maybe you're just doing it for ear training, which is another great reason, right? Just there's nothing that does right. more for your yeah. ear than listening and recreating what you hear. Or and that's right. that's kind of the, the gist of it. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it it's great. I think I think the big myth right there that you debunked right away is that uh, when you transcribe, that you have to transcribe the entire solo for heaven's sakes, right? A lot of people start off like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna transcribe Red Garland, Foggy Day in London Town, and I'm gonna I'm going to start at the beginning and go to the very end. And you can certainly do that, right? I mean, there there are folks that love doing that. But the reality of it is, like what you just said, you hear something that maybe Red Garland plays or Bill Evans or whoever you, Oscar Peterson you mentioned, and you go, man, I want to do that. What 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 was that? And you zero in on that and transcribe that and it might be two measures it might be four measures heck it could be a measure right um so i think i think the the first kind of myth that exists out there is that when you sit down to transcribe you pick a solo and you have to you have to transcribe the entire thing from measure one to the to the last measure of the piece yeah don't miss don't uh don't underestimate what you can learn from like one or two like you mentioned red garland if you look at just his right. left hand for just two measures, you'll get like 80% of yeah. the Red Garland signature sound because you figure out that comping <laughs> rhythm that he has, which is through everything. Right. Right. That's right. It defines it defines his playing. I think the opposite is you true know, so, also. Um, like if, I'm sorry. I talked over you again. If, no, no, um, no. If you go too big, you actually might miss those things, right? If you, if you look at a whole right. Red Garland solo, you might miss the fact that he's right. doing that same comping pattern throughout the whole thing because right. of right. how he varies it and changes it and things like that. What about um, here? Okay, so whether you're whether whether you're transcribing a measure or whether you're transcribing a hundred measures, do you use any kind of technology, any kind of gizmos to help you in the transcribing process? Sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> like, like, I use uh, any. We'll share. I, yeah, I'll give a give away the goods. I use AnyTune, which is like a slow downer app, uh, yeah. which is fantastic. I'm familiar with that? Um, mm-hmm. I use my electric keyboard because when you're listening to old recordings, the tunes they're not always tuned to 440. Like the mastering process makes them drift, right? right. And so you need to be able to right. adjust and match and do that kind of stuff. I actually use right. this a lot, a melodica. Instead of my piano, okay. um, so this is one of like one of the things I I hear people do that I I think I would recommend they not do, which is like don't sit down with a recording and slow it down to fifty percent and try and like just test the notes <laughs> until you get the one note that matches. What I would recommend right. you do is you like learn how to sing like the little phrase that you're trying to transcribe and sing it and then transcribe your singing instead of transcribing the recording. So if one way you like right. use the recording to get in your head and then you use the transcribing to get what's in your head. That's a great, that's yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great tip right there, man. That's a great tip because what you just said is how I started transcribing, dude. Uh, I know you're too young to remember this, but, uh, uh, but I certainly, that was part of my childhood. I had a Marantz tape deck. I don't know. It was a cassette, cassette tape deck i know a lot of well i don't know i'm pushing I know 40 i know what a cassette tape is 
You all right? Okay, you know what a cassette tape is. Right? What about eight track? You know, an I know what they are. I don't know if I've ever touched one. <laughs> you know what they are. Okay, man. So anyway, I uh, so I had an old Marantz tape deck that I started off with transcribing, and that 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 was considered. Uh, some high technology there because I could actually flip the button. There was a button on that tape deck that I could flip where it would slow down the recording 50% without changing the pitch. Oh, wow. It didn't even like and, drop it but, a fifth. You, you, uh, well, yeah. No, uh-uh, no. It, you could, it would just slow it down and you could still. But, but, but here's the problem. I was doing exactly what you were saying. I was, it was painful because I was sitting there going, zit, 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 you know, rewinding, zit, 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 trying to find the note, zit, zit, zit. And it was painful as opposed to listening to the phrase, like what you just said, listen to a phrase, listen to it over and over, sing it, and then transcribe your singing of that phrase. That's, you know, that's huge. The other thing that's kind of similar to this is I don't start with the notes either. I uh, I start with the rhythm. I find oh, that, that I find that that gives me the structure because sometimes you get lost. You're like, oh, this is like a a sixteenth note triplet thing. But how far into the line am I? How much further do I have to go? Am I listening right. for three more notes Correct. or two more notes or what? If yeah, you get right. the rhythm right. out first, right. all of that is solidified. Right. Yeah, that's really good. So. Um, so yes, you know now now today there is a lot of applications like you just mentioned any tune which slows down which allows you to uh, slow down. I have never used it, but I'm familiar with it. Right, it, it, it's the same kind of concept where you can slow down the recording and and pick off the lines. Yeah, and you can change the pitch. So if you want to put something in another key, you can do that. If you want to oh, okay, loop nice. a specific segment, you can like go from this bar to this bar and have it loop. Oh, uh, good. Yeah, so you got Super, much more it's, control. It's, yeah, it's like twenty bucks. It's like yeah. as a jazz player, it's like the best twenty bucks you'll ever spend. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so all right, so then once when you were back, once you got your transcription done, you used all your gizmos, you got your transcription done. Whether again, whether it's four measures or forty measures, irrelevant. Then what's the, what's the next thing you do? Then you got it. You got it. You you have it now. What? Okay, so I have this process that I've never told anybody about yet, so you're, you're the first ones to hear it. All right, it's spill, called, the be- we'll spill the beans. It's an acronym I call DUPE, D-U-E-P. Okay. It stands for Deconstruct, Understand, Exercise, and Perform. So it's what we just kind of talked about, which is first do the transcription okay. just to get the notes and rhythms and everything in front of you so you can see it. Then look at it and study it and figure out what is it, the understand part of this is to look at it and figure out what it means, like what scales are they playing, what harmonic structures are they playing, how does it relate to the chord and the lead sheet, et cetera. Uh, is, are there uh-huh. rhythmic interests, are there accents, are there articulations? Whatever you're trying to learn from this thing, you sit down and you, try, and you isolate it and understand it. And then you write yourself an exercise so that you can learn to play it. Just start by maybe repeating exactly what's in the, um, in the recording you're transcribing, then maybe shift it off a different rhythm, speed it up, slow it down, put it into a different key. Try it instead of starting on the third, try it starting on the seventh. And exper- experiment with it, learn it, and all of that kind of stuff in different keys and all of those things. So you build like a little exercise. You can put it in the circle of fifths and really internalize it. And then the last one, P, is perform, which just means put it into a song. So play you know, several of the pull-up five or six of the standards you're working on right now and try to put that thing into it somewhere. And by that, I mean not yeah. spontaneously. I mean like look at the lead sheet before you start, pick out a spot. At this point, I'm going to put this thing into it, and I'm going to play it, and then see if you can do it. Yeah. So you take a very methodical, a very uh, 
strategic and very methodical approach to saying, okay, here's this idea. Here's how I deconstruct it. I practice it. Now I play, you know, I, I drop it into uh, a song at right here. Measure, measure three on count four and, and boom. I learned and this by watching that. a Barry Harris. I learned this by watching Barry okay. Harris teach the blues where he says, okay, here's a line. There's this great video of him on YouTube of teaching the horn players how to play the blues and they invent a line together. And then he tells the rhythm section, go, and you put the, you put the line where it belongs, but he didn't tell anybody where it belongs. You had to figure out from the line structure, what the harmony was to learn. Oh, right. And you know, like right. nobody got it right the first time. And the second time, one of the saxophone players put it right on bar nine where it was supposed to go. And then other people started picking it up. And that's when I realized ah. like, you can't just willy nilly put it in anywhere. You got to be strategic and think about where does this thing belong? <laughs> Right. Well, that's that's the big mistake that I warn students about all the time. You know, you're not going to drop kick. You're not going to learn a line from Bill Evans and drop kick it into into one of your songs. And it's going to sound good. Or the, I mean, the I, other I, danger is you learn a cool two, five, one riff. And every time you see a two, five, you, you play it. And all of a sudden, like you overdo right. it. Right. It's not musical anymore. Yeah. 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 OK. So. Um, all right. So how is that different than. If I just took a, I got a transcription of Red Garland. Uh, I went out and I buy a Red Garland transcription book. And I zero in on a couple measures of a transcription out of that transcription book. And I, can I not do the same thing? What's, what, why is that any, why is that inferior to what you're talking about? Maybe it works for you. It does, doesn't work for me. I don't know what, like it's called kinesthetic learner or something. Like I learned by getting my hands yeah. dirty and doing it. I yeah, will pull yeah. up the transcription, learn how to play it, think I got it, and move on. Whereas if I have to figure it out, I learn much more from it. It's just, it's just how I learn. Yeah, I have this project yeah. going where I'm building my own real book. So I put my real book. It's back. It's right there. Actually, it never leaves that shelf now, um, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. uh, I'm like I hear a tune, I transcribe it, I look at it, and that goes into my. I use Fourscore on my iPad as my music thing. And that's where all my real book tunes go but i write my own real book by doing my own transcribing yeah yeah it's interesting i used to do a lot more i, I don't transcribe anymore uh, i mean i shouldn't say i don't only little bits and pieces i, I kind of like what you're talking about i hear two measures here hear two measures there and i go what what, what was that and and then i transcribe that and learn learn that but i don't i don't do uh i haven't done a whole transcription from beginning to end of a piece in a long time Maybe since the market got flooded with all the transcription books out there that, you know, of, of artists that you can go buy, you know, you know, for everything from the Charlie Parker Omni book to there's Oscar Peterson transcriptions to you name it. Right. So. Uh, so I like to, you know, I, I do go to those resources quite a bit and we'll take we'll take a transcription and then uh, uh, analyze it, break it apart, study it. I like to look at. I like to look at musical phrases like uh, if I'm doing like a Charlie Parker, looking at a Charlie Parker transcription, maybe from the Omni book, I, I, I'll, I like to go through and maybe look at all the major sounds inside the solo. And how is he how is he treating that major sound? Are, are there any is there, are there any similarities between the different major sounds in the piece? Is he starting on the ninth? of the sound is he is he ascending does he like to ascend using scale motion on that major sound or arpeggio motion or what what kind of what kind of aspects of the sound is he using the ninth the eleventh you know the seventh what's he focusing on so i i kind of like to get kind of heady you know kind of intellectual with that kind of stuff and then and then i like to go okay this is what he's doing 
This is how he likes to treat the major sound. And then I go to the keyboard, and then I start trying to imitate that approach, that very approach, and start to, from that imitation then, start to, um, did your real book fall over? So, something fell over. <laughs> I don't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it, too. Heard a clunk. So, uh, yeah, I heard a clunk, too. So, uh so what I like to do is kind of do a real kind of, I get heady with it now uh, to where I like to see how is he thinking when he plays a major sound. And then I like to take that approach, go to the keyboard and start developing vocabulary, uh, my vocabulary, utilizing that approach. What are your thoughts on that? Sounds very, very similar to what I'm doing. The difference is just, I like to start okay. with a blank sheet of paper and put the notes on it myself instead of um, yeah. start with somebody else's. I also, I think I'm tainted because I spent so much time just playing out of the real book, and there are a lot of mistakes in the real book. Um, to say the least. Yeah. And so you, yeah. if you don't have that skill to build it from scratch, you kind of don't have the ability to recognize when they're wrong. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah, you know this, I, I agree. There's this touring electronic kind of jazzy musician named Anomaly. If you haven't looked him up, he's amazing. And he did this interview where he said, everything I learned about soloing, I learned from the Charlie Parker Omni book. Oh, Really? Wow. There's a lot to learn that's, that's, in that book. Um, well, there's no doubt, right? From a, As a piano player, though, it's kind of tough because, you know, alto saxophone lines don't always translate perfectly to the piano. There's some awkwardness. There's some, there's some clunkiness there, you know. Some do, some don't, you know. So, um, you know, I, and, and, and that's, a, that's a reality, too, that we have to, you know, take into consideration as we move forward. You know, when we're looking at horn transcriptions of horn players, you know, uh, we have to take in consideration that they're horn lines, and sometimes they don't lay out as well on the piano, and vice versa, right? I remember, I remember the first time I took a, a one of my arrangements into the one o'clock lab band at at North Texas, and I passed out my chart. I was all excited, and and uh, and uh, they started playing it, and I stopped the sax section, and I said, "What, what are you playing?" And the lead alto player said, "What you wrote." And I said, okay. <laughs> and I said, okay. I said, it didn't, I, I said, that's not sounding, I said, that's not sounding like, uh, uh, that's not sounding right. And he said, he said, that's because you're a piano player and you're writing piano lines for a, a sax section that, that it doesn't translate. And so that was a huge lesson for me because I realized at that point when I wrote for saxophone players, I needed to write like, I needed to write lines that saxophone players play, not what piano players play. And, um, my piano. And so anyway, it goes. Mr. Hemi, do this. I'm sorry. There's a lag. No, go ahead. I, I, I interrupted you. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. My piano teacher had me do this thing where he had me write what he calls a dream solo, which is just like take the changes, take your time and think about it. Don't be so spontaneous, but actually write out what you think would be a great solo using all the facility that you have. And then he had right. me transcribe um, Stan Getz's Pennies from Heaven. So we compared what I did to what Stan <laughs> Getz played. And. He's like, well, what do you notice that's different? So I actually went through, I don't remember the specific numbers, but something like, it was something like 78% of the time Stan gets started on an offbeat and ended on an offbeat, each of his phrases. Yeah. And mine was like yeah, 25% of the time. And I was like, oh, well, that's yeah. why it doesn't swing as hard, right? And so that's right, something right. now that I notice about myself that I can, next time I write something, I can try and bump it up to 40% yeah, or see, 50%. That, yeah, see, Josh, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's, that's, that's. A great aspect. That's a great takeaway from transcriptions, right? What you just talked about right there, right? That's that's the kind of thing that I love to do when I look at look at a solo. I like to try to get into the mind of the player and, and how he approaches the craft, how he approaches the art. So, 
Um, you mentioned earlier something that I think is really, uh, I mean, we, we just said it and we, we moved on from it very quickly, but I want to go back and I want to spend a little time talking about it. You said the very first thing that you do when you transcribe is you zero in on the rhythm, writing out, transcribing the rhythmic lines. How incredibly important that is. I lost another one. Which, which, what's your cat dying back there? I don't know. Or what's what's going, going on? I don't know. Something. <laughs> okay. It's an earthquake or something. <laughs> I'm expecting like a cat to jump up on your head here any second now or something. You know. So uh, anyway, um, the rhythm. So, you know, talk to me about why it's so important and talk to the jazz piano skills listeners why it's so important i think first and foremost before you even look at notes is to 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 work on your transcribing of rhythmic skills actually you taught me this bob so uh (laughs) if you remember back eight months ago you told me that when you start thinking about making your lines more interesting you start with snare drum rudiments right you start by thinking about a rhythmic line and you almost like scat the line rhythmically and then you put notes to that rhythm that's actually the same kind of thing i think i'm doing with the transcription is learning how um the rhythm i guess to me the rhythm is more intuitive or simpler for me to pick up on first than the notes are there's just fewer possibilities maybe and so i can write down even away from the piano or the instrument entirely i can just sit down and notate what the rhythm is and then um go back and fill in the notes afterwards i I find sometimes I just get lost. I'm like singing a little part of a phrase to match the pitches to figure out what pitches it is. But I forget where in the measure those pitches belong. And all of a sudden you have a lot of like rework to do to try and put your transcription back together because it's all shifted some way or another. If you start with the rhythm, you just eliminate all of those problems. Yeah, right. You got you. If you have the rhythmic roadmap laid out, then you're then you go through and you just drop the notes on top of it. Right. Exactly. In fact, this is how I do my whole yeah. arrangement. I start with a blank sheet of paper, and I, f- I start simply by just counting the bars. So I'm away from my piano. So I listen to the recording, and I just count. Okay, it's a 32-bar head, right? So I make 32 bars right. on the paper. And then I listen to it again, st- again, still away from my instrument entirely. And I write down anything that I notice. So I'm like, okay, in bar four, I know that's a one chord. So I put a one. Or uh, in bar six, I know it ends on a, a eighth note triplet. So I'll mark in the rhythm, eighth note triplet. And you just kind of go through it, like, I don't know, 10 times, filling in as much as you possibly can uh, without being right. at your instrument at all. And you'll find the more that you do this, the better at this you get, right? You'll start to recognize, oh, that's a 2-5. I don't know what 2-5 what it is. I don't know what if this is the 2-5 to the 6 right. or the 2-5 to the 5 or whatever, but I know it's a 2-5. Right. So you mark 2-5 in parentheses right. or something, and you... Over time, you start to get good at this, or you can do it even sitting away from the piano and get a lot of it done. And so I find, like I felt the structure, filling out the figure, figure out the first 32 bars first, filling out the rhythm first, gives me just a a framework of which to lay everything else on top of. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's really good. Uh, You you also just mentioned another point that I think is really important that we want to stress to the jazz piano skills listeners out there. I can't can't begin to tell you how many times I, I, I say this, to students, I think maybe every single lesson, and I think a lot of times it goes in one ear and out the other ear, but I keep repeating it, you know, because good teaching keeps repeating, repeating, repeating until it finally, you know, sinks in. But uh, the importance of the study and the practice of music away from your instrument, absolutely crucial. So, Talk a little bit about that and how that has made an impact in your development and your growth 
as a pianist and specifically as a jazz pianist? You ever met someone who says, I have perfect pitch, but I don't really use it when I play? This, that's <laughs> that's kind of what I mean. Like, if you have perfect pitch, like, couldn't you just sit down and transcribe everything instantly? And it's like, no, it doesn't It doesn't work that way. When I'm sitting in right. my car right. driving from some place to another place, I'm kind of listening for, like, what are the things that I know? What are the things that I don't know? And trying to connect the dots. Right. I think that's where, like, your musicality comes from. Because, again, if you can recognize it in somebody else, you can recognize it in your own playing. And now you have something right. that right. you can improve on. Once you know where your baseline is and what you can and can't do, you know what you can do to push yourself. Right. Um, you know, another thing, so, well, along those lines, right, the, uh, the, the study, the away from the instrument, I, I tell students that when you're, if you're sitting at the instrument and you're trying to ascertain knowledge, process knowledge, apply knowledge, all simultaneously, that's not a good formula. No, you don't have enough brand width that's, in your brain to handle all of that at once. Right. Yeah. 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 That's just not a good formula. Right. And I think that's another myth, you know, that uh, I, I, you know, I, I try to stress that the parents, especially of, of like junior high and high school students that I may be working with, that I stress to them that I give them a lot of practice time, practice uh exercises that they need to do away from the instrument. So I said, so if you if you holler at your son and he's in his room and you say, what are you doing? And he yells back, I'm practicing. Don't think he's being sarcastic because the piano's out in the living room and he's in his bedroom. I actually have exercises that he needs to be practicing and doing away from the instrument. So uh, I can't stress that enough. And I think that actually when you start learning how to do that and incorporate that into your into your musical routine, I think you start to find that your development is expedited, just expedited uh, tremendously. Absolutely. Like so, I said, I just uh, don't think you have enough bandwidth to do both at right. once. Like I used to have this thing where I would study, study, study my classical sheet music to where I knew it. I could sing it. I knew all of it. And then I'd sit down at the piano and my hands couldn't do it yet. And my brain forgot yeah. what it knew. It was just like it just didn't have enough RAM. It didn't have enough RAM, right, right to like keep everything in right. there at once. You just have to move in smaller and uh, slower chunks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm I want, I'm going to bring up another topic that I want you to to talk about. Uh, I with transcribing, if if I have a student that's going to get into transcribing, <clears throat> the the very first thing I do is I have them. <laughs> I have them start transcribing things that uh, they're going to have great success with right away. So I start having them transcribe stuff that aren't, that's not even jazz. I, I like to go to Creedence Clearwater Revival. I like to go to country. I, I like to go to country groups. Uh, you know, Hank Williams. Uh, I like I like uh, Willie Nelson. I like I like giving them tunes, pop tunes, uh, country tunes, uh, simple little little songs outside of the jazz genre that they can have great success with right away because I want them mentally realizing and learning right away that they can do it, they, that they can do it. What, what are your thoughts about that? Are you talking about like recognizing the changes when you talk about giving them? Uh, and melody, you know, like if, if you're going to, if, if we're going to do Willie Nelson on the road again, I want them to actually transcribe the melodic line be able to play that 
And then, yes, I want them to be able to, yeah, it's a one chord going to, like what you were saying earlier, oh, that's a 2-5, right? I want them to say, oh, that's a 5-1, that's a cadence. That's a 4-5-1 or a 2-5-1 and be able to start hearing that. And I have just found that for new transcribers, folks that are getting their feet wet with transcribing, I actually think starting with tunes outside the jazz, jazz genre is actually a much, a much better way to go and much more successful way to go right away. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, I, I listen to all kinds of music, and I, I deconstruct and figure out how to play all kinds of music, not just jazz music. Right. When I do sit right. down with my students right. to do transcribing, I usually start with jazz stuff. But my rule is like I never let somebody transcribe something that they wouldn't be able to play easily once they transcribed it. Right. Just to kind of keep right. it realistic and what you can. I'm not. Well, that's good. I'm not yeah. transcribing Art Tatum because I can't possibly play it. <laughs> I would only learn so much from it. Right. 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 So, well, that's a, that's a very good point, right? My, you know, so what I'm trying to do is just if, if somebody's wanting to transcribe, I'm wanting them to have I'm wanting them to have the good experience with it from the get go, because otherwise I've seen so many people hang hang it up very quickly because they think they can't do it because they're tackling Stan Getz Penny from Heaven as the first transcription. I'm going like, OK, wow. OK, good. That's that's a that's a, a lot to bite off for your first transcription. Yeah, I think just take the pressure off. Just four measures. Just do four measures. Yeah. Do these specific four that's measures. Right. Yeah, and it's in the yeah, key of C, right. and I'll, t- I'll give you a hint. It's all diatonic, so it's all white notes. Yeah, right. right. And start there. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so how successful have you been then? Let's talk about the success rate <laughs> that you've had. You've. What does it mean to with, be unsuccessful? Your, Let me ask you that. Well, I, I, you know, I just, you know, I'm curious. Uh how successful are you with when you transcribe a four measure line from I don't anybody uh, of actually retaining that and that becoming solidified within your jazz vocabulary that now that's that's something that rolls off of your fingers at will when playing standards or playing jazz tunes how, how successful have you been with that if I put it through my dupe process that I told you about, which is that methodical, take it from transcribing all the way into twisting it around and playing with it in different keys. Mm -hmm. It's really sticky, but that's because I do that for a week or two weeks with that one thing for a few minutes in every one of my practice sessions. It's pretty sticky. Uh, I'm not the most disciplined at doing that every time that I transcribe something. We were texting just the other night about um, this Kenny Barron thing that I heard, and I was like, oh, I figured it out and learned it. I'm not sure I still remember i'm not sure i still remember it today it was like two days ago i need to spend more time with it to really make it sticky so sometimes i do it just because i'm curious in the moment and it falls out of my head and i probably learned something from it but i couldn't tell you what it was um but then if there's something i'm really serious about it's pretty sticky for me that's good yeah um i don't try to uh i don't take lines and i don't try to i personally don't try to make them sticky i like the word that word that you're using there i I like to take lines the way i look at any line from any transcription something that i've transcribed i I always like to look at as as a launch pad Uh, i like to look at it as a way that's going to help me uh, lead me to my vocabulary Uh, help me uncover uh, my reservoir of ideas that are are being launched from that idea so because I always I, I tell students all the time, it, it's a lot easier for me to remember me 
than it is for me to remember Charlie Parker. I'm I'm really glad you said that because I don't want to come across misunderstanding what my intent is. Um, like yeah. I do not assemble my own solos by like stringing together this thing from this guy and this thing from this guy and this thing from this guy, <laughs> right. Right? right? So I think of this. Right. I think of this like um, right. like you. If you were, like, here's an analogy. Right. Like if you were learning to be an artist. You might pick up a book that right. teaches you how to crosshatch these strokes this way or how to make fixed strokes or how to make uh, thin strokes. Yeah. And right. so those are all techniques right. that you need to do in order to draw a painting. But if you never use them to make a painting, like what was it for? I guess you're better with a pencil than you were when you started, but like you aren't getting any closer right. to the goal at the end. I think about learning these, whether it's building a bag of tricks, like filling your a bunch of blues licks in your bag or something, as things that I practice and things that I think very intentionally about when I practice so that when I perform, I shut it off. I don't worry about it. I let my hands go where they want to go. And I don't, I find I don't generally completely mimic the links, the, the licks that I heard before, but whatever subconscious part of my brain that was built by doing them methodically comes out creatively during the performance. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Do you ever take an idea from somebody else and then uh, move that idea around within the sound of of the uh, the chord or the progression. In other words, if I like to take an idea, if if, if I have an idea that, say, uh, I, I've taken from Chet Baker, where he he plays he he enters from the third and arpeggiates up to the ninth. Well, I like to maybe take that same idea and then say, you know what, I'm going to enter. I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to enter from the fifth and take it to the eleventh, or I'm going to enter from the seventh and take it to the thirteenth. So I, I actually take the idea, but I, but now I'm now I'm actually adjusting that, moving that idea around within the sound. Yeah, that's the exercise part of my due process. I take that idea okay. and I shift it around. Like you said, maybe I, the original started on the third, but now I'm going to start it on the seventh. Or maybe it was on the end of two, and I'm going to start it on the end of three instead. Ah, right. Right. Or maybe right. he played it staccato, and I'm going to smooth it out a little bit. I don't like just play with experiment, get creative with somebody else's idea, and explore it. Absolutely, that's that's where yeah. all the value to me comes. Otherwise, you're just rote repeating what you've heard. Correct. That's that's right. So um, also hey, also I think kind of where you're going, like take it out of major, put it in minor, right? Take a major oh, riff absolutely. that you learn. Oh, absolutely. Take a, a two five riff and do it in a minor two five. Um, uh, what, what, absolutely, one hundred percent. That's exactly right. And that's where and that's where the power comes. That's really where I think the power of understanding how to utilize a transcription to get to squeeze the to really squeeze the full value out of w- what you're doing and what you're looking at and studying. That's that's man that's that's gold that's gold that's musical gold so um since since we're collaborating i just have to ask you and you know with all the listeners listening you know since we're collaborating do do i get the due process for free is that something that i get access to (laughs) Uh, uh, just automatic i'll trade or is that something uh, do i get a 10 percent discount for the dupe process Uh, or is that something that i'll give all of your million jazz piano skills listeners a discount All right, you guys heard it. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it. So when you go to Josh's website, just let him know yet. when you it's, start. It's not live yet. When, oh. when it goes live, well, what, what? I, I will honor Once it's live, you, yes, you just say, I'm a jazz piano skills listener. And then reference reference this, this, uh, uh, this episode. <laughs> I, I will honor that, I promise. Coupon code Dr. Bob. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. So, all right. So, has there any been has there been any transcriptions that have absol- that have stumped you? Oh my that god. You've set out the tra- that uh, you've more, that you've more set than out the ones that I get. Oh yeah, I fail more than I succeed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so well, okay, this is so important. Then <laughs> this is so important. Talk to the listeners about your failure as a as trans in transcribing. Awesome. Let's let's hear it. Spill the beans about your failure. I'll talk about one in this. I'm currently transcribing this amazing uh, tune called "My Shining Hour" by Ben Patterson. Oh. Go look it up on YouTube. It's an incredible oh. performance. He makes it look like his. He barely moves. It's like it's just like his hands just glide across the piano, and he wow. he, he has these all these Rick lists, all these riffs that sound similar. They move. They go by really fast. But man, they're just so hip. And I was like, I just can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I slowed down it to the point where the audio was so like grainy and garbly that I couldn't <laughs> figure out if there was a pitch there, if it was like a snare drum, or if this was the piano. <laughs> right. And eventually... Oh, I've, I've been there, my friend. And so I did this, oh. and did this for hours and hours. And then just the other night in the car, I was singing along with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's a chromatic scale. Right? Like, I've... <laughs> Right. I've known this forever. Right. How did I not recognize this chromatic scale? Oh. Some, there's something about right. just it going yeah. by so quickly. Maybe this is one of the ones right. we should talk about. I learned a lot from this transcription. It's something about it just okay. going by so fast that just like scared me to being able to pay attention to what was the simplicity of what was actually happening. Because right. I went back through right. my transcription, now completed, and I highlighted <laughs> all the places where he uses chromatic lines. And it's like 40% of his solos are chromatic lines. And I'm like, boy, I don't, right. I don't use chromatic lines nearly enough. Like, I do this kind of right. thing right. all the time, but like not to the extent of what he's doing. Right. And so I was like, oh, right. wow. wow, again, like there's something I could focus on. This is a real wow moment, even for someone who kind of sort of knows what they're doing. If you play these really fast chromatic scales and you end on like the three or end on the seven, it sounds super hip. Right, right. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you say so, yeah, that. I, I, but I yes, I'm this. sorry. To answer your question, I, I get stumped all the time to the point where I can't ever figure it out and I just move on to something else. Well, and I think that's so important for listeners to hear, right, that this is a, you know, for all of us, right, we don't just sit down and drop the needle. I'm showing my age here again because I used to use albums, transcribed off albums. But I've also never put a record sort of, on a record player. I okay, own this, some vinyl, right, some back here, but I've never literally like to put a record on the record player and set the needle. I've never done it. I'm feeling really old now, Josh. <laughs> I'm feeling really, really old. Because <laughs> okay, I still have my record player, and I it, still have records. And, it's uh, cool to collect vinyl. But, but I have it, a bunch of it, but I've never, yeah, just never yeah. literally put the needle yeah. down. Well, okay, so well, where where I was going for for this, and especially for the elder elderly listeners at Jazz Piano Skills, is that you know you don't drop the needle on an album and have a hundred percent hundred percent success rate every time you go to transcribe. You're going to have failures, and so that's just part of the game, right? So don't make. I think a lot of times people will make the mistake with the failures is that they walk away thinking, oh, I, I'm tone deaf or I don't have a good ear or that I'm not I'm not capable of doing that, and that's just simply not the case. That's just simply not the case. I, so, I use Dorico I as my notation software, like Bailey uh-huh. or Finale or whatever. I use Dorico, um, and I wrote to them and asked if I could get a question art question note note head option because they give oh. you squares and slashes and stuff. I was like, can I get a little like circle with a question note in it? Because I just want to note mark idea. that like there's something here yeah, in the rhythm, fa- but I don't know how to fill in the gap, yeah. and I literally can't print the music unless I put yeah. something there. Man, that is a fantastic idea. 
the, all the music notation software should have that. That that absolutely should be like standard, you know. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. So, but you know, going back to that simplicity thing, I, I've told this story many times. I I remember transcribing a Red Garland solo, and I got it, and I I transcribed it. It was an F major chord, <clears throat> and the line went like this, Josh. <clears throat> F, and then he played an A, and then he played a C, and then he played an E. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I stopped. And I said, ah, "That can't be right. My ears are my ears are so bad." I went and I re I, I listened to it again, and I wrote down F A C E with my F major chord. And I went, "Man, that's that's not right. Uh, my ears stink." I went back and listened again, F A C E, and I said, "There's no way. There's no way. There's absolutely no way that Red Garland is playing F A C E over F major seven because this sounds." really hip this sounds really good there's no way that f-a-c-e over f major seven can sound that good and i was fooled for the longest time because i was just in denial that (laughs) that that was what was going on like what you're saying with the chromaticism yeah i bet the rhythm was really (laughs) hip though yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was, you know, kind of the offbeat, you know, how he liked to play on the and come on the backside of beats and everything with his soloing. But 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 still, even that, it wasn't that complicated, but it was it just, you know, his touch. It was just the touch and the feel and the articulation that just made it sound so incredibly hip. And, and he was just outlining the chord change, which is, you know, cool. When you do it right, it's fantastic. So I do you ever. um so I used to have this bad habit of looking at the real book before I would start my transcription so that instead of like figuring out what the chords and the form were for myself, I would like print off the, the real book with blank uh, measures in it. And then I would try to fill in the solo and I would be like, boy, this can't oh, okay. be right because he's playing a B flat over an F major seven chord. Right. And I would like yeah, theory right. my way into thinking I know what the line is without actually like just hearing the line itself for what it is. Right. And I used to run yeah, into those right. all the time where my transcriptions were wrong because I tried to fit them into the theory that I knew instead of listening first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and quite a, if you start if you start with wrong, you're going to be wrong. <laughs> right. Right. I, I mean, I mean, in other words, if you're using like the real book and it's got to change, you're trying to force something into a change that may not be the right change that's that's actually being played. You know, yeah, that's not exactly what I mean. Like, I think the changes were right in the real book. They matched the recording. Oh, they were for this example. What I'm saying is I limited my thinking for what the what the or what the artist could potentially be playing only to things that I already understand. And so I would never yeah, 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 hear yeah, yeah, yeah. the B flat because I'm like, well, it doesn't belong. It's an avoid note. You never play B flat over F, right? But no, yeah, actually right. they do all the time. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what somebody said to me the other <laughs> Somebody, I can't remember what it was about. I said, uh, I can't remember what the, what the question was about, but it was along those lines, something about, I don't know, parallel fifths or octaves or something. And I said something like, well, Beethoven didn't have a problem with it, you know? So, I mean, it's that, it's that same kind of thing. We, we get caught into these rules based on theory and we think that that's, that the musicians are following those all the time and it's not the case. Yeah. So, so, okay, man. So this has been fun. So we are going to kick off 
uh, next month. We're gonna come up with. You, you have any ideas for first transcription? I, I would love to talk about this one that I'm in the middle of now, which is my shining hour that that Ben Patterson one, and it's one that you can go look up on I, YouTube I think, and anybody can watch it. It's great. Well, uh, let's let's start with that and see what happens. And that's 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 if, if if you endorse it, I'm good with it, man. Let's do it. And I would say it's like seven minutes long. Let's let's not do the. <laughs> let's pick a section of it and talk about it. Yeah, well, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely fine. So. So you and I will get together and we'll we'll nail down a date uh, to um, record that episode and and then the jazz panel skills listeners can l- look forward to periodically you and I hooking up and doing some transcription analysis and hopefully by doing these transcription analysis uh, listeners will be able to take away from all this will be a more fruitful way for them to approach the study of transcriptions doing transcriptions and and being able to as we mentioned earlier squeeze every drop of musical value out of the transcriptions that they do look at that will help them improve their jazz piano skills their jazz piano play and their voca- improvisation vocabulary you know what so I that's, think that's the spirit of what, that's the spirit of this whole endeavor what i think would be fun would be have the audience recommend like request one and then we'll go do that hey yeah, Even if it's that, again like so, this from this timestamp to this timestamp in this recording, I'd love to know what's happening here, and we can go yeah, deconstruct yeah. it and figure it out. That would be fun. I would enjoy that. Well, that you know what the that the uh, the the line is open, right? So if all you listeners out there, if you want, if you have some specific sections of transcriptions that you would like for me and Josh to tackle and to to look at, uh, please send it send it on to me, and I'll share it with Josh, and we'll we'll take a look at it. That that would be fun. That's great. We might be unleashing the crack in here, though. Like someone's going to come back with Corey Henry's Lingus solo or something, and then we're doomed. Well, hey, Josh, I could always say I never got the email, so it's no big deal. <laughs> Lost right? my voice. If, that if they day. come back with something, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they come back with something crazy, I'm just I'm going to hit the delete button, man. So anyway, dog um, ate my transcription. Awesome. so hey listen i am so excited you know i reached out to you and and was hoping that you would say yes that you would come on board and be part of this uh and i am just i just got to tell you man i'm really thrilled and i'm excited to take this journey with you and for you and me to share our journey with all the listeners i think this is going to be great fun i'm excited man i live for this stuff awesome all right. Awesome. So, okay, real quick, where where do, where do all the where do all the listeners find you again, Josh? You go to jazzlibrary.com. It's got a hyphen in it, jazz-library.com. Or if you really want to be cool, go to YouTube, search for Jazz Library or my name, and you'll find me and subscribe there. Awesome. All right, my friend, we're going to we're going to call it a wrap today and we got we got a lot of work to do, so we're going to get after it uh off air here and and uh get ready to unveil the first transcription here shortly. So, Josh, thanks again. I hope you have a fantastic weekend and then uh, you and I will connect here soon to get to work. See you, man. All right, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. bye.